good evening. I was on our uh, I was on our website this morning. I wanted to listen to Jr.'s sermon, and in order to get to his sermon, I scrolled through a little tab that said, you know, filter by pastor. And I'm looking at the list, and my name was on there, preacher, right? And I'm like, I laughed out loud. Because like 20 years ago, that is not a word that would have ever, no one would have ever thought that would be attached to my name in any way, form, or fashion. But I'm excited to be here tonight to share the word, because I love it. You know, I love this guy, Jesus, and I love talking about him, um, and I love James. And uh, it's not because... It's not because James gives me the warm fuzzies, right? It's not because he's like makes me feel all happy and with all these feel-good words that he throws out there. You know, it's kind of the opposite. James convicts me. And it's out of that conviction that I find that I end up growing the most. It's out of those pushes from James into that uncomfortable place that I find I want to push even more into God. It's through that conviction that I see that I want to make every effort that I can to have my life match more closely to that of Jesus. And this week has not been an exception to that. Um, You know, I have felt pushed and nudged and pulled and uncomfortable and having to acknowledge things about myself that I don't necessarily like, you know, and uh, it sounds really terrible, but I kind of hope you experience some of that tonight. You know, I hope that something will hit a nerve with you. Maybe you'll even feel like a little ouch. That kind of hurt. That kind of stung. But, you know, I hope you won't ignore that feeling when it comes. That I hope you will let it be a catalyst to begin a work in you. So we're going to get into James 2 tonight. Um, You guys know, most of you know that I work at Top Pot. I usually get off work sometime around one-ish or so, and I'm always hungry when I get off work. It's, it's lunchtime, right? And I work over in the State Farm area, and there are 100,000 places to eat there. But last week, I'm like, I need something different, right? So I get in my car, and I end up at one of those all-you-can-eat buffets in Plano. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So go in, I get my table, and uh, get my drink ordered, and then, you know, you're, you're unleashed to the food, Right? All those choices here, there. I mean, this place was huge. So I'm going through and picking out this stuff and head back to my table, and I look down at my plate, and it's just all my usual favorites, right? I mean, it's nothing weird, nothing with a crazy name. I mean, it's just all my safe stuff, my favorite stuff. And, you know, I I just kind of laughed. And out of all those choices, out of all those choices, I didn't try one new thing. I didn't venture out you know, and pick something daring or exciting or unknown. Just the safe stuff. You know, in preparation for this message tonight, I thought, how awkward would it be if I came to church tonight and I tried the same thing, like at the buffet. If I decided I'm going to look out here and, and rearrange you guys, right? You got your seats, right? And if I went, hey, Rebecca Knight, I love your smile. It just makes me happy. Come on up, and I have a good seat for you right here. And, Bud, you're going to have to move to the back because I'm going to need this row here. I'm going to need this row. And, and yeah, thank you. That was much easier than you said it would be. <laughs> okay, so you don't really have to move, Becky. You know, if, but what if I did that, man, right? 
And what if I, uh, Kara, where's Kara Vaughn? You know, I love your Facebook posts. I, I'm sorry, Jared, I'm going to need Kara to come on down here too. I got a good seat for her, right? Right up here, right up front, I need her there. And, uh, ah, and the music folk, Amy, uh, yeah, uh, Kelly, you guys come up here because your songs, they were great tonight. What you did, love that Lauren Daigle song. Come on up here, got a seat for y'all too. But then I'd have to go to the opposite, right? right? Uh, be like, you. <laughs> yeah, you gave us that homework on Tuesday night. Didn't like that much. Yeah, bud, you go back there with him. Uh, and Adam, yeah, you know, last week that, yeah, you, I don't like, you know, too much. Made me uncomfortable. And, you know, I know you were just doing James and all, but uh-huh. go on and join them. You just go on and join them and no, I'm not going to do that, obviously, because nobody moved except for Bud. Thank you, Bud. <laughs> you know, but if I did do that, I don't think it would make a hill of beans difference what I would preach on up here, you know. If I just rearranged you guys by what I like, what I don't like, and you guys in the back there, you'd be thinking, huh, who does she think she is? I mean, I'm just as good as Rebecca Knight. What is she, do- what is she doing on the front row? And, and these front rowers, they're going to be like, ha, 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 we're better than you, right? These would be the things going on. And so by picking and choosing, I might be happy because I'm looking at, at all these people that make me happy this week, right? Um, you know, I might have filled the pews the way I wanted them. But I think I would have also created a pretty tense-filled and crummy church atmosphere while I did it. And I'm quite certain, I'm quite certain there were no kingdom implications when I was picking out my lunch. I don't think that weird tofu roll, it really cared whether I deemed it worthy to get on my plate. But I think you guys, I think you guys would care if I'd done that to you tonight. That's why, that's why this message of James is so important. Like it or not, admit it or not, we all have this little default setting back here, this default favoritism setting, and it is hardwired into us. And it was true in the early church where James wouldn't have had to talk about it, right? It was true then, and it's true today. And we're going to talk about tonight, you know, it's how to reset our minds from that default setting from showing favoritism, from judging, from all these things, from this default setting we have to something more kingdom-minded. We're going to be tonight, we're going to be in verses 1 through 13 in uh, chapter 2. We're going to be in the NIV. And I don't think, it's not going to be on the screen. Uh, So I'm going to be like Adam, and I think he always says, open your Bible, grab the one in your front pew there, or swipe to it. As we read, uh, and I've asked Kathy Kiesler if she would uh, read the scripture for us. Y'all can get tired of hearing my voice, so I wanted to throw something else in here for you. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? James 2, 1 through 13. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. So Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? 
Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you to court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the laws as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You may be seated. One thing you can't accuse uh, James of is, is wasting time. I mean, he doesn't waste a second of it getting into what he's going to talk about, right? My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Bam, right there, right? Now, before we, before we kind of get into the, the, the scripture as a whole, as into the, everything James is, is going to be sharing with us tonight, I want us to skip down. Uh, I'm going to read uh, verse 8. Actually, so we're just going to skip down just a little bit, and I want to do this because well, I don't mean to, to criticize James, you know, or the order of his verses or anything like that. But, you know, these two verses go so well together, and I think he, he could have just done these two verses and, like, been done with it, but that wouldn't have been James's way. But anyway, so anyway, verses 1 followed by 8 reads like this. My brothers and sisters, believers in our, Lord, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. If you keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. So it's right there, right? Right there in verse 8. And I don't want to ruin anything for you, but spoiler alert, right? Coming up in verse 8, where to find your reset button. And I just wanted to kind of set this up. I just wanted to set up how James is going to lay things out for us tonight. You know, we start by showing, uh, showing us how not to show favoritism, that we do it, we're not to do it. And just so we're clear, you know, then he goes into, he presents his supporting arguments and all this information. And, and then we hit this little zone where he tells us what doing right looks like. And then he ends with a little judgment and a little mercy to, to close everything out for us. All right, now we have an idea where we're going. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to start here. I don't know if any of the teachers are in the house tonight, but I think you'll like this part. We're going to start by making sure we know what James is talking about when he says favoritism. So I'm going to use some definitions, right? So word favoritism, it comes uh, two Greek words literally meaning to receive face. And then Webster defines it as the unfair practice of treating some people better than others. You know, in light of this James passage, I found these two definitions to be really interesting. You know, if, if we look at what James is starting to say in verses 2 and 3, man, we can easily put those definitions right in there. Listen to this. Suppose two people come into your meeting and you received or judged them by face or by clothes. 
and you unfairly gave the dude who looks good the better seat. Right? Just slide those definitions right in there like, like James knew what he was talking about. And then if you look at these two sections, this verses 2 and 3, there's two really big things happening here, right? First, these folks he's talking to, these brothers and sisters he's talking to, they made this snap judgment. They judged these guys based on what they were wearing. And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, you know, then there's immediate action that follows that. Judge, act. And the action was giving the good seat to the guy who was dressed well and putting the other guy back in the cheap seats. You know, when I was reading this, this is a good thing. When I was reading this, my first thought was, I don't really think we have a problem with this at Providence. I mean, I don't see anybody here making these snap judgments about anybody walking through that door. I mean, rich, poor, clean, dirty, jeans, shorts, T-shirts. I mean, I don't think we would ever be judging somebody and ushering them in to the best seats, good seats, bad seats. Heck, I don't even know if we have good seats and bad seats here, do we? I don't think so. Okay. But the thing is, I don't want us to stop there and say, good job, Providence, yay! Just because, you know, may, we may not have an issue right here, we can't tune out James's message because it's still relevant to us. And he just used these examples because this is what these folks would understand. When, back in James's day, the way you were dressed, it said who you were. It could say if, what your profession was, if you were wealthy, if you were poor. Um, you know, it, it really defined who you were. And just by looking, they would know, this is a, this is a man who is important. He's a big deal. And, and based on that, you know, it was just common practice. You know, you got the best seats, too, because that was a sight of honor. So you're looking good. You're sitting good. Uh, so James was just calling it out the way that these folks would understand it, that they could grasp what he was trying to say. Now, for us, and for me, you know, it may not be something we do within these walls, right? But we are the church outside these walls. So out of here, you know, at work, at play, at the grocery store, at the mall, you know, wherever we are, it's easy for us to, to take a look at a person, right? Just take a glance. That's all it takes. You know, and we sum up pretty much exactly who we think they are. You all ever play that game if you're out to eat? What's their story? You know what it should really be called? How many ways can we judge that total stranger that we don't know? This is what I think they do or what they, whatever. I mean, we, we've all done this. And it's a fun thing, right? But man, it's because that's like a little default thing that we can just so easily go back to us. So it kind of needs to be made clear that that this goes beyond just your fashion sense when we're talking about this today. You know, unlike in James' day, it has such wide-ranging applications. You know, we make decisions of people based on, oh, any old thing, right? Uh, skin color, body build, hairstyle, lack of hair. Uh, I mean, I could keep going, you know. We do this. And the reality of what James is saying, you know, he's saying for us also, is that because of that default switch that I've been talking about. You know, when we make these quick judgments about people, we tend to treat them according to what that judgment is. And I have been really cognizant about this at work this week. This is one of those things where these James nudging, but this was more like a shove kind of in front of a bus or something. I don't know. But I've been really cognizant of this. And I've had to reset my button quite a bit, way more 
than I want to admit. You can see me after if you want a number, uh, you know, keeping a tally. And no, it's not like it's any big judgment thing. I mean, I am judging people based on what kind of coffee they come in there and order. And, girl, why are you putting all that sugar? That is way too much sugar. And making these judgments about the people who come in, and they're like, I'm just looking. I just wanted to see what y'all had. And they don't buy a thing. Yeah. And I caught myself also playing favorites to the customers who come in every single day, the faces that I recognize, and, you know, getting them through the line a little quicker than those folks that I've never seen before and whom I never see again. You know, and, I, and I'm fairly certain I've probably been doing this for a long time, but this week, this week I caught myself doing it. I was conscious that I was doing it. And then I made an effort to switch that around. You know, and it changed the way I saw that person that was standing in front of me 100% of the time. Every single time I caught myself, reset the button, they looked differently. You know, and it's crazy to think about the times that we don't reset and we let that process continue from thought, judging, and then treatment based on that. So the thing about James, the thing about his writing, from the beginning of James to the very end of James, it's all about the necessity of living out the faith of Jesus. Adam says this all the time. We can live like Jesus. You know, and that's what James is saying. It's all about living out the life of Jesus, and I've experienced just a tiny little glimpse of what that looks and feels like this week. Every time, I'm like, oh, I did it again. Oh. I think James, James was on to something with this whole live like Jesus thing, right? I mean, change. Let it begin with me, Lord. That's been my prayer this week. We go back to the text. and you know, So James throws out this the rich versus poor example, and then he follows up. He's going to follow up with two questions for these people. So you made these judgments, right? And then you acted on them. And, and in doing this, James asks them, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? These are like really deliberate questions that he's asking. And he began chapter 2 with, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. And now, now he's saying when you do that, you become judges with evil thoughts. Any of those ouches yet? Any ouches? Any? Okay, yeah, we don't have to. Uh, mm-hmm. That was an ouch for me. Judges with evil thoughts, not how I want to see myself. You know, and then he goes straight into verse 7, verses 5 through 7. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world? You know, he goes through this with question after question. He is barraging them with questions. You know, and as I was reading it today, I found that my voice, I was getting agitated and I was getting excited. And the more I read it, the crescendo. And I can imagine that's how it must have been when James was telling the people the same thing. He's throwing out these questions, and he knows what the answers are. It's not like he doesn't know the answers. He's throwing out these questions. Has not God chosen these people? Are they not the ones who are dragging you in the court? Are they not the ones? Are they not the ones? Yes, yes. All the answers are yes. And with each yes, with each question, he's building this case, building his case and making it more and more clear that their acts of favoritism are the polar opposite of the acts that a believer should do. 
I'll tell you when I was writing this part, this is, this is what was going through my mind, all right? You know those creepy Halloween pictures? You can buy them this time of year. And if you look at it like this, it's this beautiful woman, right? But if you kind of go like this, this horrible creature, right? The scary thing is like this monster is jumping out of the picture. Same picture. It's just the way you look at it, right? So you have this beautiful picture of what a believer looks like. But it becomes this hideous-looking thing when you're looking at it through this lens of favoritism. And I'm going to say right now, thank goodness that James didn't just stop right there. Right? Thank goodness he just didn't say, all right, I'm done. I mean, just leaving us there with this monstrous picture of what a believer looks like, you know, when showing favoritism. I mean, I, th- I would think at that point, these folks have got to be, they got to feel like they have been through it, right? He is barraging them with these questions and all this, 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 and they got to feel a little emotionally wrung out, and they got to be tired, and they got to be like, oh, I can't do any more of this. The thoughts that must have been running through their heads, and, and then J- James goes in to verse 8, the one I made us look at early, you know, kind of a fast forward. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. And I said, I think that that's the reset button. I think it's the reset button. What James is doing here, you know, he is blowing out this idea that the significance of love is significant because it's the central virtue. I mean, the, the lens which all behaviors, including favoritism, should be judged. You know, Mother Teresa, in her wisdom, she said, if you judge people, that's our default. You have, no, uh, you have no time to love them, and that's our reset. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. And our reset is as simple and as difficult as that. Love them or judge them. You know, James said it. Mother Teresa said it. Those two acts just can't coexist when you're living like Jesus. Love them or judge them. You know, James goes forward. He's using verses uh, 9 through 11. He just drives home how far this gap is, how far this chasm is between loving and judging. They don't come anywhere close to each other. He starts, he starts at verse 9 with a dreaded but, right? Verse 8 tells us we're doing it right if we're loving our neighbor. And then we get to 9, and he says, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whosoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. Oh, we don't like where this is going at all, right? And it's really interesting and it's eye-opening to me that, that James is rolling favoritism right into, you know, he's next talking about adultery and about murder. And, you know, you're 100% right if you're sitting out there and you're thinking to yourself, nowhere in the Bible does it say that, that favoritism is a sin, right? It wasn't anywhere on those stone tablets, right? And Moses never said, this is one of them, number 11, nothing, Right? That's because it's not in there. But James, James is giving the royal law, this love your neighbor, he's giving that the weight and, and the significance it deserves. And by bringing it in with the list of the laws 
that the audience, that those brothers and sisters he, he was talking to, they were very familiar with the do not commit adultery and do not steal and do not murder. And he brings this royal law right up with that. And he keeps that momentum going as he goes into his final words, right? He says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Man, am I thankful for verse 12. Anybody else out there thankful for verse 12? I mean, it's kind of been a little bit of a downer till he gets verse 12. I'm thankful for this law that he's talking about, the law that gives freedom. You know, may we be able to heed James's advice and speak and act as those who are going to be judged by that law. And we will be judged. You know, God's the only one that gets to do that, though. And judgment without mercy, that's not even something that sounds remotely good. Judgment without mercy sounds a lot like something I want to do everything to avoid. Thank God that mercy triumphs over judgment. We do have to give it, though, in order to receive it. You know, one of the things that I love most about ANC when we first started it was that there were people from all walks of life that came. And we were made up a third of Africans. We had a third homeless folk, and then we had a third boring suburban folk also. Uh, it was truly the most colorblind, social status blind, socioeconomic blind place that I've ever been. And at the end of every service, we would all gather around in a big circle. We would hold hands, and Kathy would instruct this. Take a look around. And at that time, it was okay. We were given permission to look at each other, to stare at each other. Take a look around. These are your neighbors. These are the people that God has brought into your life. So I'm going to instruct you, as Kathy did. <laughs> and this week I want you to pay attention to the neighbors that God brings into your life. I want you to take a look around your life. Who are those people that God has brought your way? And I want you to pay even closer attention to the way you're reacting to those folks. I mean, are you loving them? Are you judging them? Are you defaulting over here to kind of your favoritism setting with some of these folks? And when you need to this week, when you need to this week, don't be afraid to hit the reset button. I think you will be amazed at how it feels and how it changes how you see your neighbors. May we, who are soon to be known as the Neighborhood Church, love our neighbors as ourselves, no matter how they're dressed, no matter the size of their bank accounts, no matter where they come from, may all people be welcome at the table. May we surrender snap judgments in favor of kingdom mercy, because mercy triumphs over judgment. So may we go from this place to live our faith in front of a watching world. In the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, go in peace.